Praise God. I appreciate that. And if you have your Bibles, James, the book of James in chapter 3. And uh, it really is a privilege to be here. And I know, uh, you know, that's kind of a standard thing that uh, we say uh, when we get up to preach. And I hope it never becomes something just rote or something that's just part of the protocol. Uh, but I, I sense that very uh, deeply today, that uh, it's a real privilege to be ministering in this conference and uh, with you uh, people here. Uh, it's a holy thing, you know, what you, the labors that have, uh, that are represented here, the converts, the uh, the pastors and workers, maybe pastors uh, that labored at one time and now you're back in your church uh, for a time of redirection. And, uh, but your labors are holy things before God and uh, something to be uh, honored and respected. And, uh, and I just, I sense that in my own heart tonight, uh, the I feel a sense of honor just to be here and to be part of, uh, contribute some small thing to the holy investment that's been made over the years in uh, this, uh, this area. And uh, I'm humbled, really, to be able to be here uh, tonight. I'm going to actually preach on something, and, and I, you know, uh, just to tell you, this probably... Uh, been something that God's been particularly dealing with me about and uh, and uh, something that uh, I have had to address uh, in my own life. Pastor Campbell preached along these lines at the uh, recent uh, Pioneer Rally and I know that Pastor Haynes was making uh, CDs available for the of that, if you can get a hold of those, you ought to. Every one of the messages was very, very powerful. Uh, but uh, Pastor Campbell started the whole thing off uh, with the sermon far superior to what you're going to hear tonight, but uh, along some of the same lines. And I was down at the altar, uh, repenting yet again. And so uh, we're going to uh, look at a few months back in the Arizona Republic. Uh, they, uh, they every Wednesday they do a thing on health, and they were doing uh, an article on the connection between our body and our minds. And there's a new book that has come out that the title is "Your Body Believes Every Word You Say," and this is the impact of the words that we speak upon our health. And uh, though this uh, obviously can be taken to imbalance and certainly is probably taken to imbalance in this book, uh, the Christian knows that words are spirits and that the words that we speak really do have very powerful consequences. Uh, they affect our physical health and they can affect our spiritual health. They can affect others, and I know that through the course of my ministry, and many, maybe this goes for all of us uh, uh, preachers, we have uh, often addressed how devastating our tongue can be on others. But tonight we want to look at the impact of our tongues upon ourselves, what that can do to us as well, because we think that we are navigating our lives according to the Word of God, according to the vision of our fellowship, the uh, leadership that is given to us and we've been blessed by. And uh, on one level, we think that uh, those things are setting the course of my life. But in reality, the course of our life is being set by something much smaller and much more constant 
and that is our own tongues. And so we want to look at James chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great and are driven of so fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and is set on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, of birds, and of serpents, of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed, of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Do the fountain send forth at the same time, at the same place, sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. I want to talk about verbal hygiene from uh, this passage of Scripture. And we want to first see the just the simple truths that this passage is talking about. And I'm probably not going to say anything tonight that you haven't heard uh, many, many times. The, the, the truth that James is beginning to address, that he wants us to understand, is that our tongues are very, very small, but they are extremely influential. No matter their, their size, it does not correspond at all to the power that they exert. Now, I... You know, I know there was some rock star, you know, out of a kiss, you'd be able to stick his tongue down in the middle of his chest. But most of us, you know, we don't, uh, uh, we're not kiss. You know, we don't, uh, uh, they're, they're very, very tiny implements within our mouth. We can, our, our mouths can speak lies and curses and slander and gossip and murmuring. And though it is a very small member, it possesses the power to direct our lives. We have here the two illustrations that James uses. One is a rudder and the one is a bridle. The rudder is a very small part of a ship Compared to the entire ship, it is very small. And yet that huge ship is being directed on its course by that. Now you would look at a ship and maybe, you know, these obviously would have been sailing vessels and see the sails filled with air, see the masts, maybe see the rowers uh, if this was a rowing vessel. And you would, uh, y- your first thought would be that uh, that ship is being directed by the wind that is blowing through those sails or uh, that uh, uh, ship is being directed by the laborers, those that are working the oars. But uh, in point of fact, those things are giving acceleration, but they're not giving direction. The direction is being given by something you don't even see. It's probably under the water. It is 
clothes behind a couple of lips. <laughs> you don't even see it. But you can say, oh, my life is being directed by the wind of the Spirit. Right? You can say, we're, we're laboring for the kingdom of God. Pulling our oars together. And that's how we're, we're directing our lives by the Spirit and labor. And as point of fact, those are not the things that are directing your life. The thing, the unseen thing that is really setting the course of your life is your tongue. It's true of the bridle. Here is a large animal, horse, you know. Uh, man, most men are not going to just be able to uh, make a horse uh, do what we tell it to do. You're not going to be able to command him or uh, by uh, sheer force, you, you know, uh, get him in a headlock and, uh, and uh, force him around. But you put one small little piece of metal in that horse's mouth, attach it to a little bit of leather. It's a very insignificant thing compared to the force of, uh, of uh, and, and the muscle and, and, and the sinew of that uh, beast. And uh, you can see it galloping. You can see the, the uh, power and the force of that. Uh, but see, that large animal, that very powerful force uh, is simply directed by something very small, something that you might not even see. And that is setting the course of the life. See, we can think that I, the course of my life is being set by what I believe. But it is probably being set by what you say. The course of my life is being set by a vision for world evangelism. Or the course of my life is set by a vision of winning souls and making disciples and planting churches. And that is how, uh, that's directing my life. And, and so I know that I will uh, arrive safely at destiny someday because I, these are the things that I believe. These are the things that I hold dear. The problem is, is that your tongue is the thing that is setting the course of your life. Your tongue can be even working against the things that you believe. Working in counter uh, effort to the things that you're giving your life for. It's the tongue that is the rudder that is setting the direction of your life. See, the Bible says, a man, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We will become what we think, what we give our minds to. But our words are our hearts expressed. And our words give our thoughts more power to influence us. See, Pastor Mitchell said for many years, it's one thing to think something. But when you speak it, your whole personality then goes into play to make those words a reality. See, the direction of our lives is being set by our tongue. Maybe not our vision. Maybe not the Word of God. Maybe not what we hear at this conference. What's going to make the difference of where we end up is how we talk, how we speak. Jesus said good people produce good from the store of good within themselves and evil people produce evil from the evil within them for the words that the mouth utters comes from the overflowing of the heart. Jesus said by your words you will be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. See, your words will determine your destiny. That's what Jesus is saying. It's going to determine your eternal destiny. By your words, you'll be justified. Or by your words, you'll be condemned. See, actions 
can be withheld sometimes much more easily than our tongue can be withheld. That's the teaching of this passage that uh, it's like uh, we've been able to tame all kinds of things, but we don't tame the tongue. Matthew Henry said these words, other sins decay with age. This many times that is speaking gets worse. We grow more froward and fretful as natural strength decays and the days come on in which we have no pleasure. When other sins are tamed and subdued by the infirmities of age, the spirit often grows more tart. Nature being drawn down to the dregs and the words used become more passionate. Facts prove that more that professors succeed in bridling their senses and appetites than in duly restraining their tongues. What the old saint is saying is that as we get older, our tongues get us in more trouble. As we get older, other things, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't been tempted all day to go smoke pot. Right? I mean, there was a day when that would, that would have been a great testimony. But, right, there are things about my life, they're, they're just gone. They're so far back in the past that they're not even issues. But the thing that I have to face Day by day by day, hour by hour is what I do with this thing in between my teeth. And the older you get, sometimes, according to this old saint, the tartar you get. (laughs) See, actions can be withheld. And you know what? There are people here tonight that if somebody tried to stick a cigarette, a lit cigarette in your mouth, you'd break their arm. Right? If somebody tried to get you to snort some cocaine or smoke some crack, there's no way that you could do it. And yet, you could spend your time in gossip or in slander, murmuring or complaining and be destroying your life and future. You know, you can go to hell by smoking crack. And you can go to hell by speaking evil. Most Christians, I think, don't smoke crack. (laughs) But, what's the percentage of Christians that speak evil? Unbelief. Rebellion. Complaining. See, murmuring is rebellion. Murmuring, that's, you know, when the children of Israel didn't go into the promised land, that's called the great rebellion. And how did that happen? It happened by murmuring. Just, you just keep talking about how, you, you just keep murmuring, and you just keep murmuring, you just keep murmuring, One day you're going to set the course of your spirit and they just, because of their murmuring, they became convinced that God really didn't want to give them a promised land, just God wanted to kill them. They convinced themselves of that. And so when it's time to go in, we're not going in because you just want to kill us on the other side. And God said, okay, fine, none of you are going in. You're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. And when you're all died off, I'm going to bring the next generation in. And it was an issue. The rebellion was the murmuring of the tongue. See, I think one of the reasons why it's tough for us to get a handle on this is because it's tough for us to get a balance on this. You know, like if if somebody says, boy, it's kind of cold in here tonight. Oh, you foul rebel murmur, you know, uh, know, (laughs) or, you know, sometimes just sitting down with a brother, just talking about just how things are going. So, yeah, yeah, we had a rough time yesterday service. You know, you know, do you understand that doesn't have to be what I'm talking about tonight? Okay, we can, you know, sometimes you just, just fellowship and, and just talk about life and share heart and, you know, struggles and battles. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about a mouth, a tongue that gives itself to murmuring and complaining and unbelief and, and criticism constantly, criticizing their church and their 
people or their pastor. And, uh, you know, my pastor has said a number of times, he just said this last Prescott conference, he said, some of you pastors, you're killing your church by the words that you speak. You know, God can have done something in the church. You know, there's never been a perfect church service. I mean, there's never been a perfect church service. I mean, the dead could be raised, but it just might be the air conditioning didn't work, you know. Right, blind eyes could have been opened, but there was some feedback, you know, on the microphone, right? And so, what do you choose to talk about? As you're driving home, as you get home or get to, you know, Applebee's or wherever you're going afterwards, and, you know, you're knocking down a peanut butter parfait at Dairy Queen, and, uh, yeah, did you see that? And, you know, here God, God could have done wonderful, you know, touch people, people respond to the altar, but before you lay your head down, the pillow that night killed it all. You killed it all, all the gratitude, the appreciation, the faith. And so you get up Monday morning and, <laughs> and uh, see, it's, it's striking the, the right balance. We're not talking about some perfection trip, you know, that, uh, oh, you know, if you say one negative thing, you know, that uh, you know, it's, oh, it's all over. You just cursed your church, bro. And, uh, uh, you know, let's be, let's be balanced. Okay, there's, there's times you just talk about how things are going, but there is uh, something that we can fall into a negativity and speaking that out and it becomes habitual. It becomes habitual. And uh, and what we're doing is we are setting the course of our life by the thing that we're speaking. I want to look secondly at the fact that we can destroy our lives. I've preached many times and you have too. If you're preachers, you've heard many sermons about the capacity of the words that we speak to destroy other people's lives. The Bible says that Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our tongues can kill and our tongues can make alive according to the Word of God. The issue is that we need to realize the power of our tongue not just to destroy others, but to destroy ourselves. Look at verse 6. It says, And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Let's look at in the New International Version. It says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. Right? Our tongue can corrupt us. See, we don't want to be corrupted. Right? We have standards about what we will allow in our homes and the types of entertainments that we will give ourselves to because we do not want ourselves corrupted. They say, I'll never go to a movie. I won't have a TV in my home. I won't do the DVD thing. I, don't, I won't do any of that. And, then, and corrupt your whole body. Not by what you see, but by what you say. The Revised English Bible says it this way, and the tongue is a fire, representing in our body the whole wicked world. Your tongue is the thing most like the world in your body. It pollutes our whole being. It sets the whole course of our existence alight, and its flames are fed by hell. The New Living Translation of the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction. For it is set on fire by hell itself. See, what it's saying is that the words that we speak 
can be corrupting and destroying the life of God within us. By our words we'll be justified. By our words we'll be condemned, Jesus said. Our words are going to set the course of our life, whether we end up in heaven or in hell. And if we speak words that corrupt our being, See, what it's saying is that we can speak in such a way that we are programming our inner life to head towards destruction. You know, our culture has a a term that's, you know, just been around just for a few years. It's called downloading. Right? So people get on their computer and uh, maybe they need to upgrade their software or something and so they get on the internet and they download something right out of the uh, off of the telephone wire or boom and download it into their computer what this text is saying that uh, our tongues download hell into our being that's that's like a cyber translation of, of what that's talking about. See, if you don't say it, it's one thing. But when you say it, there's something downloaded into your spirit. Set on fire of hell. The destructive powers of hell downloaded into our spirit when we speak it out. See, hell, we don't want hell to direct our lives, right? I I don't want hell directing my life. I want heaven directing my life. Okay, and so uh, that I believe what the Word of God says. I I preach it. I uh, attempt to live by it. I have given my life uh, for that, and uh, and all of those are are things of the mind and and uh, uh, things of the will. But I can be downloading something that overrides all of that, right? I can be downloading something that overrides my doctrine, my theology, my fellowship. My consecrations, the altar calls that I've responded to, the commitments that I've made, the sacrifices that I've made, the labors that I've expended, the money that I've given. If I'm not careful, I can download something into my spirit that overrides everything that I've done for God. See, it's obvious that this does affect our bodies as well. Robertson says, clearly James means to say that the tongue can play havoc in the members of the human body. It can affect your life. It can affect your health. You know, this is in no way to be condemning of people who are fighting some physical things tonight. Sometimes you're just in a battle and you've got to lock it in. But it's just something to think about. Just something to think about. Just play back a tape of how you talk. How you talk. The atmosphere that you create in your home by your words that can, according to the Bible, affect your health. See, we can be cursing our Brothers and sisters, we can be cursing our church. You know, our sister testified tonight about, you know, working with converts, you know. And uh, working with converts can be a frustrating thing. But you've got to be careful. (laughs) You've got to be careful about talking about converts, talking about people. People are... People, (laughs) you know, 
and they do things that are frustrating. They do things that are hurtful, especially our wives get hurt. Our wives get hurt a lot. And it's so crucial that we don't find ourselves falling into the pattern of talking negative. And let, let me tell you something, Pastor. If your wife got her feelings hurt and she's trying to tell you about it, hey, don't curse this family. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> let her tell you that her feelings got hurt. But if that sister becomes a topic of every single conversation you ever have, then it's time to say, hey, hon, let's back off a little bit, huh? <laughs> let's give sister so-and-so a chance to be touched by heaven. See, it's possible that what we're doing is we are creating within ourselves a, a, neg- a, a, a critical spirit. That now when we walk into church, our, our minds instantly go to what's ever wrong. And let's face it, you know, that's kind of human nature. You know, the National Enquirer sells more than, say, you know, Moody Monthly. <laughs> because people want to know the negative. They're fascinated by that. It's staggering to me. The, the, our nation is transfixed by watching Michael Jackson's trial. How, why would you even want to even give your mind to that? Don't, why would you even want to contemplate even... a Imagine what happened and what, go, you know, I mean, it's, it's staggering to me. What an indictment of our culture that we are fascinated by pedophilia. I mean, it's just like, come on. Okay, so we know we're, we kind of have that tendency anyways. Most of us left to ourselves, the glass is always half empty. Right? That's, that's kind of our nature. There's some folks that are extra positive, but most of us. And so we have to be very careful because we can begin to set a tone of our spirit that, you know, it's like after church, where was so-and-so? And I called him and he said he would be there. And so never mind that there were a few saints there just praising God and lifting their hands. And, oh, did you see so-and-so fell asleep? When I was preaching, can you imagine that? I can. <laughs> I uh, okay. <laughs> hey, it happens, you know. So we can, uh, and so you you know you get home or you when you think about your church, it's you don't focus on the things that God is doing. You don't focus on the things that God has done. You know, you start blaming the church for all the problems, and blame, you know, and this and that. And, uh, and what we're doing is we're creating a whole spirit of unbelief and a critical spirit. And so our preaching becomes, you flake jerk, you know, and, 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 uh, and we, we are destroying the thing that God is trying to do by the words that come out of our mouth. See, faith is something that you speak. Faith is something you speak. It matters. And I know this can be taken to an extreme, right? You know, and the, and the uh, blab it and grab it thing and the positive confession thing. Uh, you know, we can take positive speaking too far. We can take negative speaking too far. Like we can never just sit down and talk about life and some of the heartbreaks and heartaches of life, obviously you can do that. And it's not like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to have a hundred people in service tonight. Bless the Lord. All these empty chairs are going to be filled and somehow that's going to make it happen. That's not going to make it happen. Okay, that's out of balance. But you know what? There is something about just being able to speak faith. 
See, the problem is that a lot of people's positive confession, they don't believe it. Praise God. He's going to fill these seats and in the side of your mind, you you know, it's not happening. (laughs) Do you know that doesn't work? Like lying? (laughs) (laughs) Saying stuff you don't really believe, it it doesn't fly with God. See, but if you are cultivating your spirit, you know what? You can say, you know, God is going to move. God's going to help us. He's going to change some people's lives. He's going to give us revival. He's going to give us souls. And we're going to have converts. And you know what? I know sister so-and-so is struggling and brother so-and-so is having a rough time. But you know, God is good and uh, they've pulled through worse than this and it's going to be okay. And you know, it, it makes a difference. I'm not talking about just being Pollyanna, you know, and, and you know, just smacking a big smiley face, a yellow smiley face on your face, and you're, you're, you're smiley pastor. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> you know, and some disconnected thing. I'm talking about that you can program it, an authenticity of faith to say, you know what, God's good. And there are battles and there are rough times. But God's faithful. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved for the mouth. Man, heart man's believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. Faith is something that you speak. It matters. Don't talk so negative. Don't talk unbelief. Don't talk yourself out of the presence of God. You may be feeling really, really sour on life right now, okay? But I'm telling you, don't let hell download into your spirit. When the crisis time, when the crisis happens, and you need faith to respond, and it's not there. You know what's there? Unbelief. You know what's there? A sour spirit. A critical spirit, a negative spirit. And when the crisis comes, you're not able to survive. He says that man has been able to tame or at least cage every animal. But man can't cage the tongue. You're not going to be able to, once words are spoken, you're not going to be able to bring them back. I was reading... uh, story of an old rabbi that uh, in this village in Russia, this uh, man in the village hated the rabbi and went all throughout the village uh, telling lies about this rabbi. The rabbi, rabbi was a very saintly man and eventually the guy, he felt bad and so he came to the rabbi and said, I'm sorry for all the things that I've said about you, would you forgive me? And he says, yes, I'll forgive you. And he took a, a feather, feather pillow and ripped it open and just shook it out so all the feathers went into the air and the wind caught the air and took the feathers all over. And the rabbi says, as soon as you find every one of those feathers and bring them back to me, I'll forgive you. I said, well, that's impossible. They've they've gone so far exactly and the words that you spoke about me have gone far and they can't be brought back. Well, we're not rabbis, we're Christians and so we still have to forgive people even when they speak bad about us. But the the point is, is that we we can't gauge how far our words are going to go. I want to close with a thought of it's more than just watching what comes out of your mouth. It's obvious here that we have to deal with a source, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James 
talks about uh, that, you know, out of the same fountain shouldn't come sweet water and bitter water or figs and something, right? You've got to get down to the source. This is a heart issue. See, the Bible says, if you can tame this, then you can tame every other appetite of your body. If you, can claim, if you can tame your tongue, then you are able to bridle your entire being. See, you, you know, exercising increases your strength. You know, so you get older, your, your body strength begins to fade, but if you start to exercising a little bit, you can regain that and then some. And so you're able to do things that you couldn't do before. Well, according to this text, then, if you want to be able to rein in your flesh, strengthen yourself to be able to rein in the appetites of your flesh, a very good thing to exercise is your tongue. Because if you will learn to keep your tongue in between your cheeks... And not speak out murmuring and complaining and uh, criticism of people and all that's wrong with them and all that's wrong. You know, uh, if you'll learn to discipline your tongue, it's going to give you the capacity, the strength to discipline the rest of your, the rest of your body, the rest of your spiritual life. See, James says you can't get fruit or water, one bad, one good, from the same source. He said that that shouldn't be. Nature doesn't permit that. But here, Christians do it all the time. Come to church. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. And lift our hands. We speak in tongues. We worship God. As soon as we walk You know, that's a, that's a violation of nature. James says, that violates nature itself. Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart brings depression. The good word makes glad. Pastors get anxious, don't we? <laughs> we, pastors' wives get anxious. You know, we're Folks, don't come to church. That fills us with anxiety. People talk about us. That fills us with anxiety. Right? We, we get stressed by life. And what anxiety does, anxiety is fear, and anxiety and fear trigger depression. But it says that, you know what? If you'll speak the right words, if there'll be right words spoken, that's a way to come out of depression. Speaking good words, healthy words, can lift you out of depression. You speaking words to your depressed husband or depressed wife can help lift them out of the depression that they've fallen into because of anxiety. See, we can destroy the very thing that God's trying to do in us and through us by the words that we speak. And you know, it's always easier to criticize what we don't understand. Didn't Bob Dylan say that? <laughs> Don't criticize what you can't understand. And so, you know, give, give folks a break. <laughs> you know? Give folks a break. And, uh, and just know that they're, they are, they're good people. I know not everybody's good people. Some people are really bad people. 
<laughs> but most folks coming to church, they just really do want to serve God. They're not serving God as good as you think they ought to be serving God. But they're trying, they're pulling, they're making it. And guess what? If you'll minister to them and feed them and encourage them and make, you know, they don't, they walk into church, they don't even think they're saved. And then you tell them they're right. <laughs> and you wonder why they don't come back. Because they don't think they're even saved. They sometimes, they just need a, a fresh word. And I'm telling you, they'll know if you're hypocriting. Praise God, He's going to help you. He's going to help you. There's grace enough even for you. Uh, you, you know, it's like, a, you know, you know. Why? Why? Why weren't they encouraged? I was encouraging them. I know. I know a pastor. God love him. You know, I, I was just encouraging him. What he means is kicking their butts to try and get them to, but. He, you know, he, he, to him, in his vocabulary, in his dictionary, that's encourage. Okay? That's exhort, maybe, <laughs> but encourage is something else. You're going to make it. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to live for God. God's got great things for you. There's a future. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God that the Holy Spirit can transform our lives and Thank God He's brought us this far. He's going to take us all the way. And, you know, and, and if you really believe that, then your folks will believe it too. If you're just blowing smoke, then they'll know. They'll know. And so it's so important that you keep your own heart right so that when you're ministering and these needy sheep are coming in, and they just need something, just a little, just something. Just if you take the finger and dip it in a little water and put it on the end of their tongue, just to give them some little refreshment before they go back out and fight every demon in hell and their mother-in-law and all the rest. But if you can uh, encourage them, give them hope, Use your words to direct life in blessing. Words of gratitude and faith, of hope and rejoicing. See, rejoicing is something we do with our mouth. Rejoicing is not just like, oh, I'm trying to make our heart. Hey, come on, rejoice. You know, rejoice is something that we do with our mouth. And uh, to, to speak. And it, please you know, don't take this to extreme, like rejoicing, you know, saying everything you don't really believe. Rejoice. I'm rejoicing in the goodness of God. Oh, yeah. It's great to serve God. Yeah. And uh, no, but to, to, to make, to understand that there is a very potent force that is at work in your being. That force is your tongue. Your tongue can download hell into your being. And hell can begin to do the navigating, right? Can begin to do the programming that sets the place where you're going to end up. And your theology is right. You know, your doctrine's right. Your standards are all in place. And why am I heading towards those rocks of destruction over there? Because of the words that you speak. It's tough to discipline your tongue. It's the toughest thing you'll ever do. If you can do that, then you're perfect. Right? If you can do that, then you're a perfect man. And none of us here is perfect. But you know, just because you can't be perfect doesn't mean that you can't try to use that tongue to be a blessing, to lift your spouse, right? Lift your church, lift that convert, lift that struggling Believer, and 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 keep your own spirit fresh, with hope and faith for the thing that God wants to do. Oh, it, it is 
tough, and it's very easy to fall into the negative thing. My pastor said it enough times that I know that it's a, it's a concern of his and a burden of his where he says again and again, some of you are destroying your church by the words that you speak. You say, well, you know, and we think, well, when I'm running this many, I won't complain anymore. When I'm running that, no. If you're complaining over 15, you'd be complaining over 1,500. I'm just, it's, that, that's how you'll program your spirit. You will never be happy. You'll never be grateful. You'll never be satisfied. Learn to be grateful. Learn to be appreciative. Learn to, to rein in that tongue. So your tongue doesn't head you to, to destruction and perhaps eternity without God. That, you know, unless he's being, you know, just sensational here. That's what he's saying. Set on fire of hell. Jeez, by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. Let's learn. Let's, let's head on the path. Of, being, of setting a new course in how we use our tongues tonight. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're asking that no one would look around or move around just for a few moments. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. You've never turned from your sins and put your faith in Jesus. You're not born again. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead to give you life. If you will allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you'll, by faith, repent and surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you can be forgiven. Your life can be changed by the power of God you can be made a brand new creature in Jesus Christ. Jesus will come into your heart by the Holy Spirit. You'll be a brand new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You're here, you're not saved, but you'd like to be. I want to pray for you right there where you're seated. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you lift up your hand. Say, pray for me. Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. Lift up your hands. Say, pray for me. Maybe at one time you made a decision for Jesus, but now you're backslidden. You're away from God. And lift up your hand. Say, I'm backslidden, but I want to come back to Jesus. Sinner, backslider. Be honest with God. Let Him help you tonight. Maybe you've backslid because somebody spoke words into your life that began to corrupt your whole being and you walked away from God. You can repent. Jesus Christ will forgive you. You know, I don't know if I recognize the difference every single time. But a lot of times I know exactly when I cross the line. When I cross the line from just sharing with a brother, here's the things I've been dealing with, here's the things that have been happening, it's a, pray with me, you know, let's, uh, uh, what, do you have any <laughs> words of wisdom for, you know, and just, uh, just being real, you know, not some super spiritual, oh, brother, yeah, things are going wonderful, when they're not. I'm not talking about some super spiritual, superficial, fake thing. But we do know that sometimes it crosses the line where it's not just telling a brother or telling your husband just something that is troubling you and, and you need perspective on and you really want perspective on. As opposed to that, 
where nobody's good enough and nothing's good enough and nothing's ever going to work and just coming up, God could have done some things in a church service but before you even get home you've destroyed all encouragement all faith by the words that you speak you get on the phone sometimes and because you're hurt you start talking to the other people in the church about what so and so did or said and you turn people against that person and then because they hear you talk against people they're thinking I wonder how much he or she talks about me and then you lose trust and confidence in people from people and so it, it it's a deadly deadly thing and what we do is we allow unbelief rebellion self-justification just to be downloaded into our spirit and we're no longer making choices of obedience and faith we're just going through the going through the motions we don't contend for blessing in our services the presence of God the mind of God in every sermon what does it matter I'll just preach something just to Take out an old sermon and just give it to them. They don't care. It doesn't make any difference. And, and we can, can so corrupt our hearts. We can corrupt ourselves by the words that we speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue can be used of God to bring life to needy people. But you know what? Hell can exploit your tongue to destroy every precious thing that God's doing. Every seed that is beginning to germinate. Every fresh thing that God wants to do. Because there's no such thing as a perfect convert, a perfect church, a perfect person. There's always going to be things that you could focus on. But you have to be able to say, look at the things that God is doing. Amen. God's talked to some hearts tonight and I'm not going to take any more time. You'd lift up your hand and say, God's talking to me about my tongue. He's talking to me about how I have used my tongue and allowed it to download things into my spirit and corrupt my spirit. Yes, thank God, thank God, thank God. I need to get my own heart right toward God, toward my church. I need to forgive my church. I need to forgive the people in my church. I need to just let them go. Let God work it out. I'm going to love them. I'm going to focus on what God is doing, not the things that I wish He was doing. God is... God's going to save some churches here tonight. God's going to save some ministries here tonight and perhaps some eternal destinies here tonight. Because by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. Your words can cut you a path straight to hell. How many others has God spoken to? Murmuring, complaining. Not just bringing up an issue. Hey, Pastor, I just want to talk to you about this thing that's a concern of mine. That's not murmuring and complaining. Murmur is always, always something that you're upset about and ticked off about and your mouth is always running. you got to stop it. Stop it. You're corrupting your spirit. You are navigating your life away from everything that you believe for, labor for, sacrifice for, give for. You're overriding that with the words that you speak. Canceling them out, rendering them impotent. How many others would lift a hand and say, God, God's talked to me about my tongue. Thank God. If you raise your hand to be saved or come back to the Lord, you can slip out right now and come and kneel and find a place to pray. 
Let's all stand together. These altars are open. You are the rock of my salvation. Let's sing.